I I kind of want to talk about this Malanu thing, but I didn't read the Malanu article, like the one where he actually speaks because I started falling asleep as soon as that. I did too. <laughs> oh my god, I couldn't finish it. I was like, uh, uh, anything I feel else? Like that's what that should be. What our discussion is about is why does Peter Malanu put you to sleep, dude? Like it was. Ugh. That's gonna be the intro, I think. <laughs> Cast number 119. I am Jared, and I'm here with Games Industry Public Defender and the Scourge of Ironforge, Nick Zelenkevich. The Scourge of Ironforge, I like that. <laughs> Titles are really working. Yeah, yeah, you're getting back onto your game here. Um, yeah, how's, how's, how's everybody doing? <laughs> you can't just say, how are you doing, guys? After <laughs> the Scourge of Ironforge. What's up, boom? Yeah. <laughs> I just killed some doors. How's it going? It's going, it's going pretty hey. good. Uh, and of course, we're also here with lover, writer, friend of the people, and ally from the Great White North, Joel Couture. And screw Konami for selling me a $40 goddamn demo disc. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. Oh. You guys probably paid 30 though. Um. Well, yeah. Well, you know what? I got words about that game, about I mean, Metal Gear Ground Zeroes, but we're going to save it for Games Club. Mm. I'm pretty sure we're going to blow that, that shit apart. <laughs> it's going to be unfortunate. Yeah, <laughs> for, for them. For them. All right. Uh, yeah, so, I'm sorry, go ahead, Nick. I, I, I do just want to ask, how long did it take you to beat it? Uh, it took me an hour and 15, but uh, I insisted on not getting caught. So I kept restarting and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it took me about an hour, around the same time, like an hour and twenty. Same yeah. thing. Like every time I got caught, I just go back to a checkpoint. Yeah, it's like so no, it's, this is unacceptable. So that hour, that hour, then that's game time. That's not real time because you were resetting the clock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how long, like real time, then from like I put the disc in, I take the disc out. I'm guessing you did it in one sitting, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. The game is not long at all. Like you can literally you can beat that entire like actually I think the fastest speed run was eight minutes. Yep. I can see <laughs> so it. Well, after, eight minutes? After yeah. I'd beaten it, if you wanted to be super aggressive and just shoot guards, you could do it. It wouldn't even be hard. Yeah. Cause like if a guard sees you, you anyway, game club. Yeah, game club, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just game. want to know like what was the time on that? But yeah, it. game it club. It was not a lot. So that, that's something we're going to discuss on Game Club that's coming up. Uh, but for tonight, we have uh, quite a few things to talk about. Uh, GameStop closes Spawn Labs when I brought that up. Nick and Joel didn't even know what it was. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, Peter Molyneux was talking out of his ass. So we're going to talk about that. 
Um, there's a Sonic movie, and apparently it's going to be dark and edgy. That's on the docket. Final Fantasy Seven. Uh, I'm sorry, not Final Fantasy Seven. Final Fantasy Fourteen originally failed because of flower pots, and also Oddworld creator had uh, some words for EA, some very harsh words that I applauded. Uh, but first, top story: uh, Facebook buys Oculus Rift. Oh Jesus! Like that? <laughs> what? Why? This is my when, first reaction. When that happened, that sent ripples through the other uh, the the games industry sphere, if you want to call it, <laughs> uh, because there were there were a lot of mostly negative comments, pretty much all negative comments, and of course you had the people like <laughs> Nick who were like, eh, you know, my, yeah, it's okay, not that bad. Now, I'll be perfectly honest with everybody. I know Joel expected me to have some anger about this. I really don't think I give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like, two weeks ago, I explained that VR was not excited for VR at all. I really didn't care about it. Even though I did have a friend who was an avid listener, he uh, he told me that you know I, I wasn't thinking about games like, you know, let's say A House of the Dead or something like that, where, you know... The like movement is controlled and you know stuff like that. He says I didn't think about that stuff. So I was like, okay, fine, he got a point. Um, but I was not excited for VR in the first place. If Facebook takes this and ruins it, I really don't care. I, I don't care. <laughs> I, I, like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't. Um, to those who might be offended by that, probably Kickstarter backers. <laughs> go, go ahead, Nick. If you aren't taking a side, then I don't know how to be contrarian. <laughs> well, Joel is going to have some opinions, so <laughs> Joel has enough opinions for the both of us. Trust me. I don't know if I'm that mad either now, like, the longer I think about it. Because, <laughs> like, after talking about Sony getting into VR last week and me sort of thinking, you know, what application does this have in games that I really like? It's like... Exactly. Facebook, go ahead, run it into the ground. I don't care. Doesn't make a difference in my life. I mean, sure, it'll make VR will make for some interesting games, but I don't know. Facebook sounds like they want to use it for other stuff, like watching live basketball games. Like you're really there and shit like that. And like you know what? That's no. probably a better use for it. I, no, it's not actually. It. No, because the best play, the best seat at a basketball game is on your couch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Same thing with football, dude. But still, I mean, I actually, uh, it was actually funny. I go back to my original point that porn. Oh, yeah. Porn should have bought this, not Facebook. <laughs> so, Free browsers should have bought this. Yeah, get browsers there. should have bought this. It'll get there. I mean, the, you know, Facebook knows enough about all of us that it'll know exactly the kind of porn that we like to watch. So it'll just throw mm-hmm. it right at us. I'm not linking porn on my Facebook. It <laughs> knows anyway. It knows. But I touch my wiener too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> That I, this conversation is taking a turn I did not expect. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what I was gonna say was um, oh shit, what was I gonna say? God damn it, Joel! Sorry, <laughs> no, I, know, what, well, was, oh, I, I was gonna talk about the oatmeal. Did you guys you guys know what the oatmeal is, right? Everybody should. Yes. Okay, so he had a comic like a while back that you know like he was making fun of like you know. The next step for Facebook is to have Facebook for your face, and it was like a VR visor on this guy. This is—I'm pretty sure this is the, before the Oculus Rift was even announced. 
And he he reposted that commentary. He was like, "Who called it? I totally called it." And he called himself Ostradamus. Yes. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. I'm not sure if this came first or not, but there was actually an old Simpsons gag that showed uh, kids playing Farmville, and they had little like VR headsets on there, and they were standing there like actually doing like the chores of you know farming. Really? Yes. So I've it may be, that picture, yeah. depending on the time frame, the Simpsons may have done it first. Uh, okay. Maybe. But so, yeah, so the Oculus Lift, uh, not the Oculus Lift, the Oculus Rift uh, was purchased by Facebook. Actually, did the deal actually go through, or were they still just talking about But, like, uh, I'm pretty sure it's pretty much just uh, pretty the sure end of yeah. through. I mean, it sounds like it has. I don't know. It's gone through enough that I can stop caring. It's done. <laughs> they were wor- working on the deal at GDC. And I, I want to say that the like I, don't, I, I guess the only issue is what, what, whatever public channels like need clearance uh, to, to to approve it for Facebook since they're public. But um, yeah, this is pretty much as done as a, a done deal can be. Right. Okay. So yeah, that's it's pretty much a done deal. Facebook now owns the Oculus Rift, uh, and there's a lot of backlash for obvious reasons. First of all, first of all, Facebook isn't very trusted. Like everybody uses Facebook, but nobody likes Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that says a lot because Facebook has embedded itself so much into, um, I guess our world that people don't like the service, yet they still use it all the time. Like they feel like they have no choice. Well, a lot of that too is the sliding privacy settings, where because it's so ubiquitous and because it's almost to a degree to communicate, you have to be involved with Facebook. It's it's hard for somebody to take the stance. Not impossible, mind you. There are people that do it, but it's hard for somebody to take the stance of I don't want to participate in Facebook yet still be a you know an online community member. Um, it's hard for somebody to do that, um, you know. And even if they even not even an online community member, sometimes they'll get dragged in because friends and family and whatnot being on there. Um, but also too, just the general fact that we put so much information to it, and then Facebook you know has to monetize that information because it is free. So the way they go about you know working that as far as sharing your information and then also making different things public to different groups, um, and that's constantly changing. And you kind of need you know if anybody is privacy minded, they need to stay on top of those uh, those changes. And that's not always it's not always as easy as it should be, um, partially by design by Facebook. And so yeah, they don't have. They don't have the best reputation for um, for managing uh, their their users to a degree. Yeah, and uh, you know, so obviously people have a lot of problems with Facebook, um, but you know, I think from a gaming perspective, people remember like you know what Farmville. Yeah, like they remember like that, when you think of Facebook and gaming, you think of like Farmville and all the bills and all the money grubbing things that w- were on Facebook, but that that wasn't Facebook per se. Like they weren't putting those games out. Those were people like you know Zanga and other people just trying to get cash. Um, but you know, not not necessarily Facebook. That's what people really really think of. And I think that like one of the biggest things is that like what does Facebook want with you know with the VR headset? Like the, the intentions aren't clear. Yeah, that was my question to being like, why do they even want it? Like, what are they trying to branch out into? Are they just trying to invest? Do they think it's going to be big? Like, yeah, like, you know, what are they going to do? But go ahead, Nick. I saw two things on this. One is that, yeah, it's the general sort of buying into VR kind of at the ground level and, and being able to control the technology going forward. But two, the other thing is this is their 
response to the emergence of Google Glass, where if you've got the, you know, um, what's the word, the augmented reality of Google Glass going forward, and that's becoming sort of the wearable tech that, you know, everybody seems to be getting into. Facebook has always been interested in being a hardware company. I saw them actually compared to Steam or Valve, rather, as far as how they tend to have a lot of like projects for hardware going on in the background, and they can afford to do that because they got all this money lying around. Right. Um, that I mean, even then there was talk about a Facebook phone at one point, and I don't think that actually came through. Uh, it if, did, it did, but it was it was and inferior. It was, yeah, yeah it's, so they just took the operating system. Now you can you can enable if you have Facebook on your at least on your Android phone and maybe on your iPhone. There's like a, if you, there's a one check box. If you check it, bam, it becomes a Facebook phone. Yeah, would not so, recommend. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, but so I mean, they're they're always looking. I think one of the things is because they know that they're a, a, a you know they're a service, um, and they're always relying on other people's technology. They're looking to make sure that they have that foothold going forward, so that you know somebody else can't you know sort of outflank them uh, technology wise. And so they see Google you know making a move with Glass. They want to sort of respond. This seemed to be the best way as far as okay, now they've got a headset. It's not quite augmented reality. Um, but it's still a piece of hardware that people are going to get into, and they've got that, um, you know, this sort of at least a direct competitor for them. This is in no way a competitor to Google Glass because I can see where I'm going with Google Glass. <laughs> I, I can put Google Glass on and still operate pretty normally, um, except unless I'm in a movie theater and then they might kick me out and get the feds involved, apparently. But uh, yeah. With the Oculus Rift, like, you need to be somewhere safe. You need to be somewhere that you're not going to get hurt if you move around. You know, like, that's the thing. Like, it's, it's, I, I don't think that's the case. I, I really don't. Well, it's not, I don't think they're necessarily competitors at this point, but I think it, it gets them into the arena of wearable tech. I think that's kind of the, the angle um, that they're looking at there. Because, I, I mean, you're right. They are two dis- distinct devices um, but there are some comparisons there and that could well be a direction that maybe they're again i get and i, I think this fault this falls to the question of how involved do we expect facebook will be with, with the uh, rifts development um i mean that could be something they may they may want to push towards if they have any inclination to push development at all or if they're just going to sit back and sort of generously just fund the whole thing uh yeah i mean that's 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 the thing like you don't know what facebook is going to do like Everything about Facebook tells you that they're gonna they want to use it for the social experience. They want to use it to gather information about you because that's how they make their money. They make their money off of your information, information you put into Facebook, like your age. Uh, you know, I was gonna say age, birthday, but same thing. Age, where you live, where you work, the things you post on Facebook, the pictures you the pictures you put on Facebook are analyzed for faces, locations, all that stuff. Facebook does all the stuff. What you by using Facebook, you are giving Facebook unlimited amounts of data to sell about you. Now, like for example, we have the Mash Those Buttons page. You wouldn't believe what I'd be able to, what I can target on people, like such specifics because of like you know how Facebook analyzes data. So like if you have a Facebook page, you know what I'm talking about here. Like the the the, the granular the granularity. Of, of of targeting you can do is incredible. And so from where I'm standing or, or sitting, I should say, it seems this would be naturally their motive. This is what they want to do. But you could be right, Nick. They could just be wanting to get on the ground floor. I doubt it. But Well, well the thing is, though, here, I mean, this doesn't really compare to their current service. Um, I mean, they, they have to monetize 
all your data that way because that's sort of the only that's only the only commodity they get out of it. I mean, in this case here, they're actually producing hardware that they can then sell. And then, you know, if they can sell it, you know, and, you know, if cheap enough to actually make a profit off of it, then there's less incentive for them to, you know, go out and be like, okay, well, you know, we need to keep scraping data out of everybody. Not that they necessarily will or won't, um, but there's less incentive for them to do that because they're actually selling something here. Um, one of the, I guess one of the, the precedents we have is they purchased Instagram and uh, WhatsApp. Yep. And I want to say I read, and again, I don't use those services, so I actually can't speak to that. But I want to say I saw they really haven't changed those services too much. Um, First of all, they just bought WhatsApp. And the reason they bought WhatsApp is because, right, the Facebook is huge in the U.S. and in a few other countries. But WhatsApp is huge in the places where Facebook is not. I can almost guarantee they are going to swallow up WhatsApp into Facebook. And that's how they're going to get their users. That's why, that's why they paid $19 billion for WhatsApp. $19 billion. Say that, Nick. Say how that. Much money, how much good. money? Because they, they just spent, that's $21 billion they spent right there. Yeah. How much goddamn money did they have? <laughs> so $19 billion they spent on WhatsApp. Instagram um, is it's like its own service. And I, I don't know if they have plans to integrate it. It doesn't look like it. Uh, WhatsApp, I, I can almost guarantee they will integrate into Facebook because they've bought other companies like the comp. That's why you have Facebook Video and and things like that. But you know, but, I but if, like Instagram may be the only one since uh, how how its user base works. Maybe the only one they they let go. But I, I feel like most of those services, though, and even Instagram and WhatsApp apply to this, whereas they relate directly to what Facebook does. The problem here is that the Oculus Rift is so far from what their experience is and what they sell that it's it's hard for us to know. They're saying, you know, right now what they're saying and what the people at Oculus are saying is Facebook's going to be very hands off and, you know, that they're going to continue development in the direction that they were going before, except now they have the, the funds of resources of Facebook backing them. So that they can, you know, improve what they were doing before and get parts in bulk, you know, instead of having to cobble together something very bare bones. And I think they were relying on what would they say was uh, like the, the, yes, yeah, cell phone technology in the mobile market scraps rather than having to rely on that technology. They can actually go to, you know, you know, NVIDIA or, or whoever and be like, look, we want a chip and, and we can pay this much money for it and actually work to have that developed for them custom if they needed. Um, I, I think it's going to be more of a. EA style of hands off. EA is hands off with their games until the game go does well, and now oh now we want a dead space that's like Uncharted, and we want a dead space that's a fighter in space, and we want a dead space music game. Like you know, like that's EA is hands off that way, and I think it'll be that it'd be like that because if they can use it to gather user data, they will. That's they that they want your information just like Google. Google's the same way. Google wants your information. I can almost guarantee you think things that you do through glass are being are analyzed by Google. I mean, they have farms of servers that all they do is analyze data. It's like, it's like remember like being like the Matrix for the first time he comes out and he sees all those people? It's like that, but in real life. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, but I, I kind of feel like at, at this point, we have... We, we don't really have an, a precedent for Facebook to sort of force their way in. Uh, and, and as I said, what they're, what they're saying right now, what the people from Oculus are saying right now is it's going to be a very hands-off type of deal. Um, and that's really all we have to go on. I guess – and fundamentally, this is what it comes down to is we've seen Facebook sort of you know, play a, a – 
you know, ha, ha, be a little bit shifty with respect to their their users online. Um, and, but as in that case, though, their users being very directly tied to how they, you know, to their their finances, that the users are their that's that's their commodity. That's what they sell. That's what they make money off of the users. Mm-hmm. So it, it's easy. You know, it makes sense that they would have to exploit that resource. But here, because this is such a different environment right now, I guess we. It, I guess it's, it's it's a question of whether you give Facebook the benefit of the doubt or not. Um, well, we and, know one person here will. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, no, it's 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 one of those things. I mean, I've you know looking at it as the perspective of someone who's you know been part of a company that's been purchased before. You know, everything that Facebook is saying is what you would want to hear as part of, you know, as a member of Oculus Rift. Um, and everything that Oculus Rift is saying that Facebook said to them is what they would have wanted to say. Right. Um, so to that degree, I mean, you'd have to think that everything's on the up and up. But, yeah, ultimately, at the end of the day, it, it's Facebook's money and it's Facebook's company now. And if they decide they want to jump in and start getting very hands-on and start manipulating things, then they're, they're more than free to do it. One other thing, though, I have is – I mean, we put so much information into Facebook already, and it's on our phone, um, you know, so it comes everywhere with us. You know, it's on our computer. We, you know, we fil- basically we filter our lives through the damn thing. Um, by giving us the hard- hardware that is ostensibly a gaming device, like what additional information are they looking to get? I mean, you might say like, oh, well, maybe at some point people might use the Oculus as say, you know, for like online meetings, but people use Facebook now for like online communications and that information is all going into their servers. I'm sure Facebook can tell you exactly what time we've held the last, you know, like the last 50 mash casts because that's all in their database when we figured that well, shit they'd out. they'd be they wrong know. because we do it late all the time. <laughs> <laughs> So, jokes on them. This is how we fool Facebook. Take notes, people. Take notes. So, so, so the moral of the story is just be a shitty planner. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, it, there, there's been some, like I mentioned earlier, there's been some waves about this uh, from developers, one, and also from the community. Um, actually, I, I made a post today, and it, there was a, uh, uh, one second, there was a, a quote that I would like to read from one uh, Oculus Rift backer. Like, there's, a, you know, some of the backers are like, well, it's not, it shouldn't be that bad, blah blah blah. But here it is: douchebag Oculus raises 2.5 million on Kickstarter, immediately sells out for 2 billion to Facebook. I want to retract all positive statements I ever made about this project, Matthew Stevens. <laughs> um, but that's the thing. I mean, like, when it came to, I knew there was going to be a, a backlash for the Kickstarters. Because, mm-hmm. dude, like they uh, so most actually, I did some. I did some calculations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> More than half of the Kickstarters, they put in over three hundred dollars. They mm-hmm. put in more than half of the people who Kickstarters put in three hundred bones. It's pretty wild. Yeah, and so they were expecting that their money was going to go to completing this project. They were not expecting that their cash was going to go to. Uh, beating, you know, go to just making Oculus Rift big enough that pe- that people were going, that they were going to sell it. You know, they they you know they were promised a certain thing from Oculus Rift from that team, okay, and that's what they expected. You know, but now that it's in Facebook's hands, now it's kind of like 
you know, you you're not even an investor. You're not even an investor. Go ahead, Nick. What were they promised exactly? I know they, the, the whole premise was they were kickstarting the dev kits, and I think you put in enough money and you got the dev kit back, and they fulfilled those those deals because uh, that's how well, we've heard all the people doing development now for the Oculus Rift. Is that's where those dev kits are coming from. Uh, and I, I, I want to say, were the dev kits available for sale on their own yet, or were they only still through no, the I'm, I'm Kickstarter? I'm pretty sure you can buy on your own. Uh, yeah. Somebody I know got one. But but basically, I mean, that's really the biggest part of sort of the dissonance about all this. I mean, putting you know putting aside whatever people feel about Facebook, but all the all the anger addressed at Oculus is entirely kind of based off the. I don't want to say it's an inherent misunderstanding because I feel like if you actually ask anybody how Kickstarter works, they will explain it. But I feel like that Kickstarter sort of presents itself in a slightly different fashion than what it actually is because it it may, lets you be a backer for these 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 projects and it kind of it, it makes you feel like a small time investor like i give you some money and you complete your thing and mo for most of these things like you look at like broken age and some of those kickstarters or pretty much any of the video games shadow run returns um you know I, I i give you some money you get to make your game and then i get it back and that's kind of like you know it's 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 quid pro quo it's like you know i made an investment in you and i got my thing back but beyond that you know you get some of these fanatical backers who give a ton of money through Kickstarter, but they're not, they're not investors. They're just, they're, you're basically just throwing money at this thing and whatever happens, happens. And I know we've talked about Kickstarter before, and that's what, one of the big risks with Kickstarter is you throw money at something and nothing comes of it. Either, you know, they find out that the development costs were way higher than they, they, they thought it could do. You know, something happens. Sometimes they just flat out steal your money and you're done. And there's little recourse you can do in that case because Kickstarter kind of acknowledges it's, you know, you know, backer beware. And, and, and here it's, it's the same kind of thing. Like they gave money to these people. They got their development kit done. I don't think they, I, I mean, well, uh, I want to say I heard that Facebook had approached Oculus about this. Um, Cause I don't, I mean, I don't know how much lobbying Oculus was doing behind the scenes to get purchased. Um, I get the impression it wasn't much. Uh, Cause I know that they, you know, the, at least, or at least they weren't, they, I don't think they were expecting to get bought this quickly by anybody. Um, but it's, I mean, fundamentally, it, it's, there's sort of a misconception that the people who were supporting, you know, the people who were supporting it were buying in the sort of Oculus as they thought it was and not Oculus as it actually was. And it was a company looking to produce hardware and Facebook came along basically with a godfather offer. Who turns down $2 billion because, oh, I made 20, you know, 2 million off some other people. Oh, don't like, get me wrong. Like, I mean, <laughs> like. If that was me, I would have took it. Like, <laughs> yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, that that if that was me, I would have, you know, taken it too. But I still know why people are mad. Well, yeah, and it's, I mean, fundamentally, yeah, you put in three hundred dollars or more of your hard-earned money, and especially, it's not like you know the people throwing this in are, ex ex you know, super rich. I mean, unless you're Notch, but even then, you he threw in what, like ten grand of his own money. His own money, but he's. He's got all that Minecraft money, so he's not hurting. But 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 that's the point, though, is that it's not the money. It's not about the money. The money signifies how much these people cared about the project, and so it makes sense that even I'm sure there are people who didn't have the money to throw in that are still huge fans of the Oculus who feel a little bit like it sold out. Like this isn't what I thought I was getting. But well, a lot of people who put money in were developers too, and they were they put money in because they wanted the dev kit. So they can start developing for this platform. Now that the platform is in Facebook's hands, it's kind of like, you know, the things they were building for it may not work out so great. I mean, Facebook, Facebook's primary concern is building users. 
okay? It's building users, that's what they want to do. And they have changed platforms before. Actually, they've changed the game platform to better fit their social goals of building usership. And sometimes it just doesn't work out for the Facebook games, which is why Facebook games took a huge nosedive. And, you know, Facebook, too, they spent $19 billion on a chat application. That's not even big in the United States. So to drop $2 billion on the Oculus Rift and then, oh, well, it doesn't really, we thought it was going to work out, it doesn't. Oh, well, and then that's the end of it. That can happen. That is a reality. That, is, that can very well happen. I'm not disagreeing with you. I th- I would be surprised if that happens, but you're entirely right. That is within the realm of possibility that they could buy it and shut it down. I mean, we've they, seen they it might think they might they might think that virtual reality is the future, and two years from now, it might still be the future. Stop trying to move on. I'm not ready to move on yet. <laughs> God damn, Nick, your fucking segues are just so magical. I know. <laughs> Oh, a bit too geez. early. Yeah, I know, right? Well, there, there's one before we move on because we have been talking about this for a while. Um, there's one thing that we should talk about, or not us to talk about, but bring up Notch. Uh, you brought up, you know, he put his ten thousand dollars of his own money into this project, and they were working on bringing Minecraft to Oculus. And he, as soon as he heard about the Facebook deal, cut that off. He was done. He says he doesn't want to work with Facebook. He says he doesn't want to work with social. So, I mean, that, that kind of says a lot. Like, when somebody like Notch, you know, completely cuts off the project because he doesn't want to, you know, want to work with it. He's not, he's not the only one. This is going to turn off a lot of developers, you know, on Facebook. Don't forget, too, Notch, Notch can do that because, again, he's got all that Minecraft money. It's not like he was like, oh, if we just get this Facebook or if we just get this – well, I mean, nobody's really looking at the Oculus deal and make a lot of money right now. But, yeah, um, yeah he's – I mean, he's in sort of the catbird seat where he can pick and choose his deals a lot more easily than some other people. But, no, it's, it's – and that's – I mean, that's something, too, that I'm sure Oculus had to be concerned about is, you know, people – kind of pulling out from them because yeah they don't like facebook it's not yeah well it's not surprising it's not that people it's not just that they don't like facebook it's just that you know facebook's primary concern is not gaming that is not their primary concern at all um and uh uh, you know what like i said notch isn't the only one now notch probably did it simply because i don't want to deal with facebook but a lot of developers were like well now it's such an unsure thing you know, a lot of people may not even want to get the Oculus Rift anymore because it's involved with Facebook. There are rumors that Facebook is going to rebrand the Oculus Rift and change the interface. Rumors. Go They've ahead, been Nick. refuted. They've been refuted. Of course they have. <laughs> Why? Like, of course they have. People lie. You can't come out and say, like, you know, you can't be like, oh, yeah, that's true. We're not. Well, you know, Facebook is, is going to change the interface. Then it would. Then the Oculus would be dead. It would be completely dead if that was the case. Well, I think the thing is, though, too, that Facebook's not stupid, and they have to see all this backlash. And the thing, too, is as much as they're behind it, they know that the developers are what's going to sell this thing. I mean, you know, Facebook is great, but, you know. Hmm? Do they? I think they would. They have done, because their games are suffering now because of how they treated developers. Facebook does whatever Facebook wants to do. But but Facebook, Facebook changes their interface all the time. But people go to Facebook for more than just games. But the Oculus Rift is ostensibly – it's been marketed as a gaming device. That's sort of its, its number one priority. This is, that would be more in line with, with Microsoft trying to turn the Xbox One into a, you know all-inclusive home entertainment kit. 
That's what they did. That's what they, well, that's what they tried to do. <laughs> that's what they did. But, no, it's, it, I don't know if that proves my point or what, but. No! <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but it's, it's, it's really, the, the issue here is that there's a lot of, a lot of concerns about Facebook. They're, they're saying the right things, but everybody's questioning them. So fundamentally, if Facebook wants to sort of turn this thing around and make sure that the Rift is a success, they have to stay hands off. Any involvement from them is one, it's going to look bad because they, you know, everybody right now is saying that there's not going to be any involvement. So it's going to look like, again, like they lied, but also any, you know, every time a developer sees Facebook meddling, not only is it going to concern them because like, well, now Facebook's just trying to get their hands on my money, but also it's going to erode their confidence in what they're doing here. And that's and, the logical thing to say, Nick. That is the logical thing to say. But we're talking about the company that constantly changes their website. And people bitch and moan and complain about it all the time, but yet they don't get user loss. So like, they don't care about other people's opinion. Have you met Mark Zuckerberg, figuratively speaking? <laughs> <laughs> figuratively speaking, I mean, like, you know he has a huge hand in this. Like, he's not one of those guys that is going to be, that's going to sit back and be like, oh, well, you know, I just let somebody else handle this. No, he's going to handle him his fuck, fucking self. But the, I, I think I think the issue here, and maybe part of it too, is just the relentless optimism of the people that supported the Oculus. But you know, virtual reality is such an intriguing concept that everybody's on board with it. That I mean, like that's the thing. Like he didn't buy a function. I mean, it's 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 functioning as far as a dev kit goes. But I have to feel like that what the Oculus Rift does now is not worth two billion. This is entirely an investment in the future. And if you're willing to make that investment, then you have to know, like I can't. Any involvement by me could tweak the course of this project, and you have to be thinking a lot more f far-sighted than you know. What's our next website update going to be? I mean, if, I mean, it's it, it's easy to sort of look at how they manage or mismanage Facebook itself, you know, the site proper, but that site is so ubiquitous. I mean, they can't not change it. They have to be thinking like, how can we make this better? But everybody uses it so much and everybody's so resistant to change. Anything they do is going to be perceived as bad. And it's hard to sort of look at that sort of development mentality and compare it to an emergent technology. So, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. It's, it's very concerning. Facebook is not who you, you know, in an ideal world, Facebook is not who I would have wanted to purchase the Oculus Rift. But if... To a degree, I'm kind of glad that they did. I, if if I if if they stay away, from, if they stay out of the, the, the development, if they keep their hands off of it, um, there was a quote from uh, who was it? Nate Mitchell uh, from Oculus Rift, uh, and he was talking about how they had uh, they had a, like a whiteboard with two uh, with two uh, design uh, layouts on there, two roadmaps for uh, development on there, and one of them was the the, the roadmap. Uh, what does it say here? They had one roadmap of the things that they knew they could do, and they had another roadmap of things they would love to do if they had, as Mitchell put it, infinite resources. And uh, Mitchell said, we're going to be following that roadmap moving forward. So if you have a company that sort of is developing nascent VR technology, it's much better for everybody if they have a shit ton of money than if, they have, if they're scraping to get by. And as long as Facebook can keep their hand out of the pot, I think we'll all be better off for this. Of course you would, Nick. <laughs> of course, of course you would. Like I said, I, I really don't care, but I don't think it's going to turn out that great, personally. But uh, we've been talking about that. I did not expect that. That was like a half hour. I didn't expect that. So let's move on. I did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's move on to uh, our next topic, which is GameStop closes Spawn Labs. Now, if you're like Nick and Joel and you don't know what Spawn Labs is, which I guess is fine, uh, a couple years back, I think, 2011 it was uh gamestop bought 
uh, Spawn Labs, uh, because Spawn Labs, they, they, uh, their, their big thing was streaming games. Okay, so a, like Gaikai, or like the, or like On Live, which is supposed to be making a comeback, you know, according to them. But, um, so they bought Spawn Labs because they were going, that, that was the future. Stream, cloud streaming games was the future. And they just closed it because it's still the future. According to them, uh, the people aren't ready. And, you know, this article from Games Industry, you know, thinks it's because of, you know, the, the console industry is booming again. Two new consoles came out. A sale, you know, physical sales are up um, for now. GameStop, they, I think they, what was it? They, uh, it was like $354 million, uh net income or... Uh, that was sorry. That was 354 million with net profit. Okay, um, so they're doing great right now, and to me, this is just so short-sighted, so short-sighted. First Which is of all, really in keeping with how GameStop works. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is their mo. This is so short-sighted. Like, first of all, it's not that people aren't ready for cloud streaming. People are ready for cloud streaming. There are more. There are a lot of, especially in major metropolitan areas, the internet is fast enough for you to do cloud streaming without having much problems. I'm talking about, like, what, I think you, they want you to have like five uh, megabit, megabits down is what's recommended for cloud streaming. Five megabits down. And in most metropolitan areas, that can happen. The way you start to get in trouble is, I think, mostly in the middle of the country. It's where you start to run into trouble. Um, so no, it's not that people aren't ready. It's just that they don't have a compelling reason to do cloud streaming. Now I'm not saying they need to, I'll put it like this. I think GameStop wanted it to be an everything or nothing type of situation. It was that either consoles were done and now everything is in the cloud or we're still selling physical copies. This is how they were, they're thinking when it really shouldn't work like that. People should be offered choices like, okay, GameStop figures, well, the console's out. People enjoy the consoles. Cloud streaming is not going to take off. We're done. That's until, you know, PS4 starts with their cloud streaming service. And like, oh, I guess it was a good idea. And GameStop, you could be destroying the rental market right now. Right now, you could be in the lead. If they had made, you know, game rentals available via, you know, cloud streaming. Like, you buy this $100 box from GameStop, and now all of your games cost five fucking dollars for seven days. Hello. Blockbuster video brought back from the dead, you know. But that's uh, actually. Did you guys have blockbuster videos in Canada? Oh yeah, ah. we did. It was fantastic. I used to love them. I used to go to them, buy their secondhand games while checking GameStop's trading values, and get like new games for like twenty dollars because I was abusing the system all over town. Well, that that loved GameStop, loved uh, Blockbuster. <laughs> God rest your soul, Blockbuster. You I helped know. me fuck games up so hard. <laughs> but yeah, that's the, this is so short-sighted. Like, you know, they don't. It didn't. They didn't have to throw a shit ton of money into this. They just had to put enough money in so that they can, you know, offer an option. Like, hey, your son, he wants an Xbox One. Oh, well, you know, you don't have five hundred dollars. Guess what? <laughs> you know, I got this little box here. It costs a hundred bucks. You can stream your games right across the internet for five dollars. You know, mm-hmm. who's going to say no to that? I would, but still, 
<laughs> Who else is going to say no to that? But that's what I'm saying. Like, there, there, there are a lot of options here, and they're just kind of like, oh, we don't need cloud streaming. And I'm just like, dude, that's so short-sighted. Like, it's not that cloud streaming is the it's it's, it's too far off in the future because I have like I have experience with cloud streaming. Like, the first cloud game I played was a couple years back on, over Gaikai. I played Dead Space on a PC that should have exploded when I thought I was going to play Dead Space. <laughs> okay, so like, I played Dead Space on this really weak PC, and it was just like playing on my PC at home, almost, almost just like playing on my PC at home, and that's really good. And like GameStop, they could be killing the market right now if they brought something new out, like game rentals, you know, for that, like you know, for, with cloud streaming. But they're so short-sighted; it's fucking hilarious. How are they still alive? It's like the idiot that just lives through everything, you know. <laughs> like, how are they still around? How is this possible? Why are you not dead yet? You You're die saying, now. They disproved, they disproved Darwin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're walking into power lines and shit, construction sites. <laughs> you know, everything's falling around them. Nothing's hitting them. Jesus Christ! Somebody upstairs likes GameStop. Which <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is very. I think this is very, very short-sighted. Dude, it's uh, I don't know what else. Like, I don't know what else to say. Like, Nick, are you gonna defend them? Huh? You know, I, I yeah. wonder. I wonder <laughs> if after they they bought Spawn Labs new and had it new for a while, if they didn't try to go back to the people they bought it from, and be like, we'll sell it back to you for 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 like three bucks. <laughs> really? I mean, I be honest with you. After on live tanked, this was their chance because Gaikai is not is not really front facing. Especially after Gaikai got bought by Sony, Gaikai is not front-facing. They are an infrastructure company. Now GameStop has a front-end, and they could have totally used it as a, uh, you know, as a, as a way to promote their services, you know, but they didn't. Well, you know, it's I, it's, I think it's, the thing is, it's so short-sighted, it's almost surprising how short-sighted it is. Like, at the very least, we all understood, like, okay, you're buying Spawn Labs because you know that you exist in a, a dying retail model. And that at some point you will need to evolve. And I guess maybe they feel like they've evolved in enough other ways, like selling, like buy, you know, like you can buy like your 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 PlayStation money on there. You can buy your Battle.net money on there. That they know that's not a winning strategy. <laughs> they, they, they so like, I mean, I I mean, you can also what is it? You can also they they accept trade-ins now for your phones and stuff. I wonder if they feel like they've cobbled together enough of you know enough alternative retail models that they don't need. To, to, you know, I mean, and admittedly, uh, you know, streaming isn't quite ready for prime time yet, but that's that's not why you own Spawn Labs, because it will be someday. And at that point, you're going to be caught playing catch up. You, you know, you're trying to stay ahead of the game. And, yeah, you can sell this now and everything's better or not even sell it. Shutter it, um, you know, and, and you're fine right now. But they are playing catch up. Them offering digital services and the store is them playing catch up. Them not looking ahead. What they should have done. What they should be doing now, to be honest with you, is at least on a show. Oh, sorry, sorry, not right now because, like I just said, two new, new, two new consoles just came out. But over the course of the console life, and I think pretty soon, Sony's going to start, you know, knocking away this pretty soon. They're going to try to get you to buy less and less physical copies. They should be preparing to close a lot of GameStops and opening up mall kiosks 
where you could just bam. Parents passing by like, hey, you get new Assassin's Creed, wham, right there, Assassin's Creed. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they need to be doing. It's like they sneak up behind you and just hit you the Assassin's Creed like in the back in the back where you're not when you're not looking. But it's no, like but, sneaking. Exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, but you know, one of the things though is you looked, if they bought this back in you know April of twenty eleven, and even then, you know, who knows how long that deal was in the work necessarily, that was back around the time that we had the rumors that the Xbox next might not even have a digital slot. So they may have purchased this sort of hedging their bets on the future saying like we don't know what's coming in this next generation of consoles let's make sure if they're download only we've got something kind of you know lined up to compete with that what now that everything's petered out now the consoles are out and, and gamestop is back in the black as they pointed out they're like okay you know what? we don't need this and maybe they're thinking if you figure another eight year you know seven eight years console cycle they don't have to worry about this for another five years or so they think. Or so they I, think. I yeah. think the, the the physical the you know the physical destruction or the physical apocalypse is going to happen sooner than that. Like you know, once the PS3 and the Xbox One are like pretty much out of the cycle, Microsoft Microsoft doesn't want to press discs. Sony doesn't want to press discs. They are slowly starting to show gamers this is why you should you should um you know download stuff digitally. Actually. A noticeable improvement on PSN download speeds when I downloaded Metal Gear Solid Ground Zeroes. Noticeable improvement. And I was like, oh, they're ready. They're fucking <laughs> ready. Like, like, the way Steam had, like, with, like they, you know how, like, one, with Steam, it used to be, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy this game, I'm gonna download it, I'll be back in a few hours. Now with Steam, dude, I click install and I just kind of putz around for 20 minutes and <laughs> I have the game now. That's what it was like with Ground Zeroes. And I'm like, dude, they're, they're, Sony's ready. Sony's getting ready to bust that ass. Is Ground Zeroes the best bellwether, though, because it's only like an hour of gameplay? But still, it's the size of the game that matters. Yeah, and I'm saying it's small. Yes, no. but it's, there's many megabytes. Yeah, yes, thank you. Tell the technician <laughs> so, on the so, other so, side so, that so, again, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's a, a big game. They, it's a big game. They just don't use it well. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's Metal Gear, Nick. Come on. You knew it was going to be huge. Well, I would think most of that would be cut scenes anyway. Uh, no, we're going to talk about that Club. shit game on Club. Game Club. <laughs> we're going to talk about that shit right there. Right mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. But awesome. anyway... Yeah, so GameStop, they have closed Spawn Labs, and that is the end of that. Them being short-sighted, as you would think they would be. Yep. Just, now. It's like all them CD stores, you know. They're doing okay now, though, by Jillikers. <laughs> that physical media is here to stay, and it? Oh, God. Uh, oh, revival. God. It's revival. <laughs> Clearly, all these systems got bought. Oh, oh, most of these systems are getting ready for digital. Oh, geez, fellas, we did it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the street, the streaming technology could have put them ahead of the curve for their change, and just they're just they're always so focused on just staying complacent, keeping the model they got. Like, they have the cards, because people want the cards, but really, they, they don't want anything to change. They just want to charge people $3 warranties on a $2 game, and sell them discount cards for $15, and just fleece the people they got right now as much as they can yeah not really interested in getting ahead of things and actually being you know relevant in a few years it's i'm gonna say this i'm gonna put a message out to all the gamestop employees get another job <laughs> <laughs> seriously because those executives they are they have their golden parachutes on 
and they are ready to go at any given time. There's yeah. going to be one day, you're just going to get a fucking announcement, and then that's it. Golden parachutes deployed. Like, that's how it's going to work. Get, get another job, especially you managers. Get mm-hmm. the fuck out of there. Yeah. Okay. Which is funny because a lot of the ma- newer managers and GameStops in the area are from Blockbusters. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Like, oh no, not again! <laughs> Why does this keep happening? Okay. Get out of there, people! Get out of there! Uh, so let's let's move on from that and let's talk a little bit about Peter Molyneux. Now, Peter Molyneux had this interview that was so boring I couldn't read it. Okay, but I, apparently, I, I can't handle. I I couldn't handle how boring this interview was, um, and so, because I couldn't handle that, I missed the part where he says that the indie craze will disappear. He uh, thinks, uh, you know, he says, enjoy the indie craze while it lasts, um, because he thinks it's he says it's going to disappear in a few years, and they actually, um, the article that we're going to put into the show notes is uh, a response letter from um, Mike Wilson from Digital, uh, Devolver Digital, who I am in love with them right now as a publisher because they're putting out awesome shit. They really are. Um, They believe in a lot of smaller projects. But I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to read the letter. I'm just going to say what I want to say about it. And I'm pretty sure Joel has something to say, and Nick might have something to say about it. Who knows whose side he's going to land on. (laughs) (laughs) So... To, my, to Peter Molyneux, like, where have you been? Like, this indie <laughs> craze that you're talking about has been going on since, like, I would say, well, in, in, like, indie games started getting really competitive, I would say, around 2006, 2007. And I would say this craze that you're talking about started with, like, Braid. You know? Like, Braid was, like, one of the first, was, like, one of the, like, one of the rock star indie games, I think. Personally, that's that's when I started really noticing them was around Braid, uh, and because and this uh, I think a lot of this had to do with um, you know, developers having access to better tools, you know, for either free or cheap. Uh, but what Braid was like two thousand eight, was it? I think. Let's see. Like, well, we have the internet in front of us. <laughs> we are all on computers while we're doing this. Yeah, like where's the wiki for Braid? It's like two thousand eight. I'm pretty sure. Uh, yes, yeah, August sixth, August sixth, two thousand eight. Go me. So he yeah, braid came out, and then you just started getting more and more indie games. And now, of course, indie games are more popular than ever. But that's nothing new. Ever since we started mash those buttons three years, almost four years ago. <laughs> Jesus Christ, it's been a year since you wrote that article, uh, Joel. Really? <laughs> almost a <Wow>. year. <laughs> so you know, it's almost four years ago at this point. Indie games have been big. My first PAX East, uh, well, the first PAX East in 2010, uh, which is where we came up with the idea for the site, tons of fucking indie games. That's what gave us the idea to do this website, okay? I remember playing Slam Bolt Scrappers and, you know, ah, like, you know, that game that you fall, the, the base jumping one. Yeah, so I remember, like, playing just so much cool shit, you know, at, at, at PAX East, I was like, man, I want to start this site. And indie games were already going into motion at that point. The craze was kind of already there. Like, people were already buying into indie games. And it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger because it's not a fad. 
if it is a fad, it's the fad. It's the way. It's the same fad, like that. Like rapping is a fad, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know that that's the thing. Like, I think Amalu doesn't realize that these indie developers aren't trying to be. Well, most of them aren't trying to be rock stars. They're not trying to be these huge publishers. A lot of these indie game developers want to make games and make a living. And that doesn't necessarily mean pulling like millions of dollars in, po- in profit margin. I mean, how many developers have we seen go from AAA development to indie? Like, they, they branch out on their own, you know? I, I mean, like, and now big names like, you know, the creator of Mega Man, Castlevania, going into smaller projects, fucking Ken Levine making me sick to my stomach, leaving the Bioshock world. You know, but still, it's going to be okay, Jared. It's going to be okay. I tell myself that every night right before I go to sleep. No, but yeah, like, you know, you have these developers that are leaving like this huge, these huge, you know, development houses and and publishers to go indie because it actually works out better for them. I mean, like, okay, for example, um, uh, Tomb Raider, right? It was just announced a couple months ago that, oh, now Tomb Raider is profitable. Or now Tomb Raider is hitting his goals. When Tomb Raider sold 3 million fucking copies a month after it came out. And you mean to tell me that that, game's not, like, that, that game wasn't, like, you know, it wasn't good? Or at least Square Enix didn't consider it good. Even though it sold 3 million copies in its first 30 days. Wasn't good enough. Like, the, the game industry and the AAA, you know, AAA development, it appears lacks the ability to properly manage their projects because they're spending so much money. And they, on top of spending so much money, they have to, they, you have these huge crunches, which developers complain about, where developers work in 16, 20-hour days um, for months at a time. You know, like, it's taking the fun out of making video games. And yes, it is a job, but at the same time, you're making fucking games. You know? And when developers can go indie and make a good game, and make enough money to live off of, that's awesome. Like, why would they not do that? And look at, you know, Epic. Epic and Crytek responding to indie development, going with subscription models. What do you think that's about? That's not about publishers. You know, they know EA can afford to pay their licensing fees. They know Ubisoft can afford to pay their licensing fees. That $10 and $20 um, a month subscription service is all about indie development. And you want to tell me that this is a craze? Get your old, he, he's the old guy in the room. Back in my day, we used AAA publishers to publish our games. You, you young Thundercats don't know what you're doing now. Like, that's, that's exactly what it sounds like he's doing. He's never coming on this podcast. <laughs> We'd all be asleep. We <laughs> would. He, he, he can come on Wild Talk. I'd be cool with that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but yeah, he, that, I think that's my rant. Go ahead, guys. <laughs> he does seem to think that like it's going to just become the AAA market again, or like the the cycle is going to repeat itself. And I don't know. I, I see a lot of like the big names are moving in here because of the freedom they can get with it. And I mean, this is a, a big move away from like the graphics push that's like driven costs so high in like the AAA market. Like like graphics are such a big part of all the costs now. That's sort of moving away from this, moving to smaller independent projects where the graphics aren't the biggest, most important thing. Like you can sort of tell the experience you want. Like 
why is why would that be a craze like why wouldn't that be like something that's here to stay like most people get into the games because they have like something they want to make and like not because they want to fucking you know pay their dues making the next fucking dog adventure fucking bullshit for the 3ds like they want to make something cool that they want to make and like now that's really possible with the dev tools that are available like i just see this getting bigger and bigger like this is bigger trouble for the triple like the big guys than anything. Like this is cutting into their pie. So I I really don't see this fad going anywhere. I don't know what Molyneux's fucking talking about. Fad. Shit's here to stay. I know. Like <laughs> that's the thing. Like he it's like he it seems like he is so out of touch. You know? You know like it was like, where have you been? I was like, Oh that's right, he was in that fucking box. I forgot about that. <laughs> he, he, was he, was in the center. he was in the center of the Everybody box. Clicked to let him out. Yeah. Oh, Paid was... to click. Yeah. Like... <laughs> fucking talk, but it makes you so fucking mad, Otis. <laughs> like, oh my god! Like, really? that's how he's fe- he's so insistent. Like, you know what? The pro- every I want is I want everybody to click this box. And he says, "What did he say?" Like, what when when um what was the fucking name of the game? It was uh, um. Ooh. Curiosity, curiosity, curiosity. Yeah, You're right. So, like, what do he say? He says at the center, like the last block, and only one person can be able to see it, which is a fucking lie because we all saw it. But still, the you know, he was like, it's gonna be something amazing and life changing and some yeah. shit like that. Are you serious? I'm gonna be, I'm gonna get to be an admin for your game. That's basically what it is for a limited time. Yeah. Can't listen to this man talk. It's just it's just a nonstop stream of bullshit. It is. Like there's been a couple of articles lately about how he just he just sincerely believes what he says, but he's just a very, very good con man and people are very, very dumb. <laughs> Dude, I, Peter Molitor, like the every time he kinda talks now, it's <sighs> I tune it out. It's like a yeah. vacuum cleaner. I just don't even hear it. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, Peter, Peter, the the indie craze will disappear. Get the fuck out of here, man! Like, like it's here to stay. You better get on board. Mm-hmm. Okay, Nick, let's have it. Uh, I I feel like that maybe amongst the bullshit that he is spewing, that there may be some fundamental truth. That he may be that crazy old guy talking shit in the back of the room, but even crazy old guys have some knowledge that it's not that they, they're wrong, they're just sharing it completely incorrectly. And I think what if, if you look at kind of what you, you're saying, I mean, the rise of indie is directly correlational to sort of the fall of AAA. Um, and it's not just that developers, are, you know, I mean, yes, the barrier to entry is lower, but also as you see, you see people getting pushed out of AAA, people consciously leaving it, but you also see people getting pushed out because the jobs aren't there anymore. And I think what he's sort of saying, at least as far as he compares it to sort of like the music industry, where it's like you go through periods of like punk and folk music, and then, you know, it comes back around to everything being like, you know, crassly manufactured again, and then it cycles around. And I think what he's saying is that this cycle of like sort of the talent moving to indie is eventually going to change either. Uh, you know, and he he sort of cites it being because people will be lured by the money, um, and and uh, the uh, the, uh, the developer uh, the, the name eludes me. Um, I mean, he's right to say that a lot of people do this not for the money, and I think the argument then is that when this change happens, it may not be financially based, but I think what will happen is that there's sort of a, a nature for everything to to 
sort of converge that when you start to have a lot of these independent houses eventually you know there that once we hit a critical mass of indie developers, I think you're going to start to see them sort of lining together. They already sort of work together when you see like the game jams and stuff like that, where they're all, you know, sort of, sort of like a shared community, almost, you know, commune-like to a degree, um, where it's a bunch of people working independently, but towards the same goals, all like, you know, in parallel. And I think what Molyneux was saying is that at some point that the industry is going to change again, where all those little individual houses are going to start to align and come together, and you're going to see new AAA studios arise um, and it may not look like the AAA studios of old um, just like you know the manufactured music of the 2000s is not at all like the you know disco of the 70s um, but it'll it'll sort of take that feature again where there will be a corporate underpinning behind the gaming industry and for the people who are all you know you know for the people who are way into the indie scene and and you know who enjoy you know developing games without having that corporate oversight th that's sort of the wake up call that he's warning them to that now you'll have that boss to answer for and that's sort of the, sh the change that he's looking at that's why he's telling them enjoy the times while you can because right now you're your own boss and that's great but the industry is going to go back to the way it was. Um, there's a lot. The industry is in such a great state of flux that it's hard to sort of say how that's going to happen. But I don't necessarily say that he's entirely wrong. Although, yes, uh, it, the, the financial, I mean, the, the whole concept of like, oh, they're going to go for, for the money. That's a completely flawed argument. I'm going to tell you why he's wrong. <laughs> First of all, publishers, the reason the music industry is the way it is right now is because of how the music industry works. And a short story, you have, a, um, technically speaking, a small group of really big powerhouses that not only control, they have the money to get uh, distribution out to retail outlets and digital outlets, but also to get shit played on the radio as well. Now, music is its own infrastructure and it's going to be it's going to be harder to break music than it is going to be to break video games and music it's like here's the thing about music like music is is general it's everybody um but if people started catching on to things like Bandcamp and soundcloud they would be spending you know it, it that would kind of take the power away from the public the, the music publishers okay and it's the same thing with the games industry Publishers did very, very specific things, okay? Publishers pretty much provided all of the, you know, the financial stuff that you needed, okay? So you can do your work. They sometimes would provide you the team. Uh, they get your game into retail outlets, and they did the advertising. That was pretty much what they needed. You don't need them for the money aspect anymore when you can get the Unreal Engine and Crytek Engine for 10 to $20 a month. Possibly you may need to, you know, you need money for your team, but I mean, if this, if, if this is your team, uh, you know, if you have a small team and you're making like, a, let's say a small game, which is, you know, kind of common for the, the indie developers right now, uh, then you don't need all that much money. Your game can get kickstarted, you know what I'm saying? Or the money that you got from the last game you made, put it toward living while you're making this game and you'll, you'll be fine. They don't. You don't need the publishers for publishing anymore because you have Steam, GOG. Like you know, you have all these. You know, well, fucking Xbox One is going all digital. PS4 is going all digital. Um, and you don't need the advertising because it is very easy to advertise yourself. You know, you got Facebook pages, Twitter accounts, 
You have the games media, which is hungry for news. You know, that, so you have all of these things already, and they're very accessible. Time is important now. Time, a developer's time, because for every thing, all that stuff I mentioned, like advertising and uh, publishing, that takes time to do. You know, even like with me working on the website, like, you know, everybody knows, if, if you read the site, you know Joel Couture is the one who's writing most of the articles. And that's because while I write articles, there's still a lot of shit that I have to do on the administrative side. They, that's, if if a, if a, any developer can form like a company and they have somebody to take care of their administrative shit and all they did was work on their game with their team, they don't need publishers anymore. Like, it's not going to revert back. And game developers don't need to group up together because right now, like, for example, like, um, Firehose Games, while they were working on Slam Bolt Scrappers, they were doing other small projects for other developers. Happens all the time. So that's another way for a developer to survive while they are, you know, working on their own projects. But indie developers help indie developers all the time. And a lot of, like, they get paid for it. It's not just like, well, I'm going to help you, so you help me type deal. And sometimes that does happen. But they, they, they already work together without having to merge their companies together and somebody being somebody else's boss. Nick? See, I don't know if this actually qualifies as an example or not because it may just be a fringe case. Um, but I think you look at something like Oculus, which was fundamentally an indie game company. I mean, they worked on the hardware, but they got purchased out for $2 billion and now they have corporate overlords. And... You know, is that sort of, you know, representative of what Molyneux expects, you know, sort of to happen going forward where you have these large money men coming in and investing so heavily in, in these indie development studios that they buy them outright? Or is it, you know, or again, because, you know, the Oculus, because, it, it you know, its position uh, regarding VR, is it so unique that this isn't a repeatable event? Um, I mean, I, I don't I, I agree with you. I think publishers are dead. And I don't. I don't see that coming back necessarily, or at least not to the degree that it was. But I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some sort of corporate resurgence with respect to the games industry. Um, not that there will. I mean, it's one of those things because again, you get into the whole concept of like semantics with what exactly does fad mean? Like, you know, it's you know, like just you know, indie games are not dying. The barrier entry now is so low, and it's so easy to get in. I mean, you look at something like Flappy Bird, which for, I mean, how much did that cost to develop, and how much of a success was that? I mean, as long as that exists, indie games are not dead. But it does feel, I mean, I, I think what it comes down to is you look at something like, you look at, like, the game conventions fundamentally, and... You know, it, it, I guess it's not really a percentage of floor space because the bigger companies are always going to be able to afford more floor space. But I guess just the number of developers, as far as how many are indie and how many are you know, you know, major you know AAA studios. Um, I feel like to some degree, and even even again, the, the whole the whole publishing AAA model is so flawed that I I can't really. You know, it's not like I can even explicitly say like, well, this is how it's going to come about. Like, this is what the model is going to be. Like, we're going to have different terms for the kinds of companies that exist at that time. Um, but I could, I could see that happening. But to the degree that, to the degree like indie development is dead, that's no, it's it's not. That will always be there. That there will always be a place for that. You know, on on the floor, as it were. Yeah, 
and I, I see where you're coming from, but the the Oculus Rift was its own thing. I mean, Facebook bought that as more as a piece of technology, okay? Whereas with a game, I, I, it'll be harder for money money people to get into that because a lot of the money, the people with the big money, they don't know games now. The heads of EA, the heads of Activision, they don't know games now. So how do they decide? This is how do they decide what to buy from people, based off of, they do it based off of how good it is, you know, for the most part. Like for example, let's say Call of Duty didn't exist until 2011, 2012. Somebody makes Call of Duty. Acti- I I think Activision never gets involved because Call like the thing is like Call of Duty have to prove itself first. Call of Duty had proven itself, which is the only and actually. Activision did not believe in modern warfare. Activision wanted Call wanted uh, Infinity Ward to keep making World War II games. Call of Duty, if it was up to Infinity Ward, Call of Duty 2 would have never existed in its current state. But Activision said, if you make Call of Duty 2, we will let you make your modern warfare game. We will let you make your modern warfare game. And they did not believe in it until it came out and changed the games industry. Okay. So that's why you know it, it, I, I I like I said the, the the big the big money guys don't know games, so I don't think that I don't think that's really gonna happen. I mean, if a game comes out and it just blows everything away, which is gonna be kind of difficult with the way indie development works. Like with indie development, I don't think you have a sixty-five, seventy million dollar game, like you know, game making that much money or eight billion dollars. Or however much GTA Five made, you know, in that short amount of time. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to disagree with you, but I will say that one of the things that Molyneux mentioned in his comments, and I don't know if this is what prompted it necessarily, but at least it relates to it, is that he said he saw like two or three angel investors approaching different, uh, you know, developers at GDC looking to purchase them. So now, one that's entirely anecdotal by Molyneux. So I mean. Who knows what he actually saw? Who knows? You know, again, he could be talking out of his butt. Um, probably but is. He's probably good is. at it. <laughs> you know, I don't know why I'm defending him. <laughs> because I, you are the games industry public defender. Because I, I really, I, I was really underwhelmed by black and white. But, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Because you are um, the games industry public defender, Nick. That's why. No, but uh, no, it's, it's, I don't know. I, I, I I'm. I see what he's trying to say, and I don't. I just don't think he said it at all, mm. at all. Well, <laughs> no, no, I, I disagree with him. Obviously, <laughs> so. All right. Well, spent more time on that than I thought. I didn't know. I didn't know if Nick was actually going to defend this guy, but apparently, Nick. That's what. That's what makes Nick a good public defender. I, I rolled a d twenty, and it came up above my my uh, my defense rating, so I had to defend him. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. So, um, a couple small things because we're gonna wrap this podcast up soon. First of all, Sonic movie coming out, and apparently it's gonna be dark and edgy. Gonna get and- Christian Bale to voice Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> Where is she? <laughs> <laughs> Both did it at the exact time. <laughs> it's not the Sonic you need, but the Sonic you deserve. Yeah, dude, I think that's a great idea because. I'll be honest with you. Sonic isn't really resonating with the kids these days, uh, in my opinion. With much of anybody, right? Well, yeah, that's true. But like, you know, at least we have nostalgia of Sonic. 
Okay. I didn't even like it back then, so. Oh, well, fuck you too, I'm Joel. Sorry. Fuck you too. Anyway, okay. I'm talking to Nick now, Joel. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, at least me and Nick have that nostalgia of Sonic the Hedgehog. Nick, don't say anything to fuck this up. <laughs> so. Just let him ride it out. Just let me ride it out, okay? Let me dream, goddammit. I think it's a good idea because I think a dark or edgier Sonic would appeal to more people my age. Like Actually, even when I was growing up, and they had the two Sonic cartoons, they had the cartoony, stupid one, and then they had the one that used to come on ABC. It was a darker Sonic. The one that Jaleel White, like he was, um, what was that his name? Jaleel White? Urkel. Yeah, 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 Urkel. yeah. Jaleel White. Jaleel White, the the one that Jaleel White voiced, was a darker Sonic. Like the the forest was dark. Like when you went to Robotnik's fortress, it was like all machine like. It was fucking awesome. Robotnik sounded awesome at the same time, and that show didn't go that far. Um, but I preferred that show to the cartoony one. And so like a dark, edgy Sonic, I think would work very well. You know, like more adult like, because that's who, that's who's gonna care about this, not kids. Wasn't there a Sonic game for the Wii that like had him turning into a werewolf that was supposed to be like darker and edgier? Oh Jesus. That game wasn't dark and edgy. It wasn't. It was fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it also wasn't good from what I understand. Oh it, yeah. It, a it was were- stupid, it was also bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A werehog. It was like a werehog. Like I was so disgusted with that game. Like the platforming portions of it actually weren't that bad. But, like, when you would go turn into a werehog, um, which sounds fucking ridiculous. Yeah, um, saying the sentence makes me want to not play it. Yeah, the 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 game, the frame rate would, like, fuck up so bad. It would be it would be so bad. And, of course, the werehog portions were not about speed. It was about destroying shit. So, yeah, no, no, not, not good. That dark and edgy? That was not dark and edgy. It's fucking stupid. So, but yeah, a dark and edgy Sonic movie, I would be happy for. And that's all I had to say about that. Isn't isn't Knuckles like the dark and edgy Sonic? No, dark Knuckles isn't the dark and edgy Sonic. Actually, if anybody's dark and edgy, it's Shadow, but they fucked up that game they gave him. They can't bring him back now. They fucked up his legacy before it really even began. He was cool in Sonic Adventure 2, and then they fucked it up. So, um, also... You're going to see something in the show notes about Final Fantasy XIV failing because of flower pots, And that has a lot to do with this presentation that Square Enix made about, you know, what originally happened with Final Fantasy XIV and what they learned. Okay. So the first, uh, it's from Kutaka, but the first picture you see is that um, a flower pot used around 1K polygons and used 150 lines of shader code, which is equal to what like uh, a person was in that game, okay? So you have the all these flower pots sitting around rendering, like using the same, pretty much taking up the same amount of power as a person running around the screen, which is, you know, why the the game, it, it, it looked amazing if your graphics card could run it, but you probably, it probably ran like shit on your system, okay? Um, but there's lots of slides here and it was some interesting things that they learned but some things that they you know they also admitted like um you know they were too focused on graphics uh they said the eight years they had of final fantasy 11 kind of hindered them because they weren't rec- able to recognize changes in the mmo market 
Uh, they weren't able to break free from their fixation on graphics quality, which Final Fantasy XIV actually looks pretty good, uh, if you ask me. But I think it was Final Fantasy XIV before may not it may have been too early for what they were trying to do. Uh, they weren't able to adapt to genre-wide changes, uh, and they weren't able to keep up with user needs. And that's because, and I, you know, obviously that's all their fault because they must have been looking in their box, and that's it. They weren't looking at Warcraft. They weren't looking at any of the other games that came out around it because they would have saw. You know, you think World of Warcraft has what was it, seven point five million subscribers, Nick? Uh, yeah, so, yeah, about 7.8, I think, last year. 7.8 million subscribers. You think they have that because their graphics are so amazing? No. Like, that was bad in the analysis on their part. And so now they said, well, we've learned, never forget the fans. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. I don't know why. I don't know why companies have to learn that. I really don't. <laughs> why is that a lesson that people keep keep learning? It turns out we have to appeal to the people we're trying to buy the games. Yeah, we want to buy the games. So you know, never forget the fans. Fun comes first. Which came second? Which came second on the list? <laughs> okay. Uh, never back down, always aim to amaze, which, yes, that is true, but at the same time, you gotta balance your shit, dude. Like, yeah. you can't have flower pots that, are, take, that take the same rendering power as a person. Yeah, and don't forget you your... you wanna make an MMO about playing as a flower pot. Yeah. And then don't forget your roots, because it's what the fans crave, which is absolutely right. The fans are your fans because of what you did in the past, not, you know, not what you're gonna do in the future to change things. Haido Kojima, <laughs> Fucking oh, game club. Listen to that shit. <laughs> okay, it's, it's going to be Metal Gear Club because we're gonna have a lot of grumpiness. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, but yeah. So there was that. And finally, we do want to end on a good note, um, which is th- this this statement. Actually, sorry, it's more than a statement from the Outworld creator. I'm putting the link into the show notes, and it's actually a video you guys can watch. But the. Uh, uh, was it uh, Lauren Lanning, who is the creator of uh, Odd World, of Odd World: Abe's Odyssey? Okay, if you guys remember that, for you should remember it for the fucking PlayStation. It was awesome. Um, so he was a creator. They did a HD remake, but it's actually called Odd World: New and Tasty. He says it's not a fucking HD remake. It's been built up from the ground up from scratch. So if you see Lauren, don't call it HD remake. He'll probably punch you. Because this this guy does what he wants. He said the one of the greatest things I've heard in, in, in a while when talking about EA. Because you know, I guess somebody asked him, "Well, why wouldn't you go with a publisher like EA?" Because he did this all in house. There was no publisher. They had nothing. To, EA had nothing to do with. It. He says, well, well, He says, "Fuck that business." That's what he said verbatim. Fuck that business. Talking about EA. He says he goes, "I don't want to have to deal with fucking like you know, pub, like, you know, the publisher over what he's doing." He said he'd rather not develop, then deal with the bullshit that they're going to put him through. And for that, we applaud you, sir. You are our first MASHcast hero. <laughs> Lorne Lanning, MASHcast hero. You know, I, I want to see Lorne versus Molyneux arguing over the, the benefits of being an independent publisher. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would be entertaining. I'd be on Lorne's side. I think you'd have to be. Oh yeah, he'll rip Molyneux apart, and then he'll go for whoever's nearest him. <laughs> Lauren, like, oh, yeah, dude, yeah, like that. Was, I was like, that. That's awesome. That's an awesome thing to say. Like, he does not give a fuck. That's like something Phil Fish would say. 
but then people will be like, oh, fuck Phil Fish, <laughs> you know, but still, like, that, 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 that reminds me a little bit of, of Phil Fish, but, you know, this guy, he has, I think the difference between him and Phil is that he has, like, the experience behind him, you know, he makes good games, like, the Odd World series is good, like, I, was, I think some people will turn off because of how it looks, you know, and some of the humor, but in terms of actually being a, 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 a just a good game, it was a, it was a pretty it was an excellent game actually, and I'm really looking forward to this new and tasty. God forbid I call it HD remake. Um, he's listening. Yeah, he is listening. <laughs> uh, he he listens and he's there when we when we need him most. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. He's definitely getting my money for this. I'll tell you that much. Just simply <laughs> off of that statement. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, but yeah, that's what we want to end on. Sorry, we, it was a bit of a rush because we definitely took longer on a few topics than I thought. Um, but the link is in the show notes. Let's see what's what's coming out here. Let's 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 go there. You know, you would think after doing 119 of these, I'd have this ready on my screen. <laughs> that's what you would nope. think. Nope. Nope. I don't remember. I like, I, I like to be nostalgic. I like to give the fans what they want, which is me not being ready with the with the list. MLB 14, the show, April 1st for PS3, Vita. If you care about that, like somebody does. Arkham Arkham Origins Blackgate Deluxe Edition, April 2nd for the Wii U, PS3N. Blackgate Deluxe Edition? What? Didn't I just already buy that game and not like it enough to keep playing it? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, hmm. Nothing really new except. yeah, Elder Scrolls Online Velocity did soon. not know about that. Hopefully that game doesn't suck. Yeah, nothing really new coming out, so. Is Elder Scrolls Online out next week? Uh, yeah, yeah, April 4th. Yeah, that, no, that's next week. Yeah, but I heard nobody cared about it because it sucked. Uh, I don't know. I, I, well, most of what I heard, and admittedly most of what I heard, came was filtered through like WoW channels, so there yeah. was a lot of teeth gnashing over that. Yeah. Um, I did actually read a few positive reviews and most of them said like you can't approach it like it's world of warcraft right <laughs> so take well, that for what it's worth I think what we just kind of discussed before anybody who actually we discussed it on game club oh no sorry we discussed this on that gaming life talking about well, if you come out with an mmo like you have to hit a place where warcraft isn't so if they are able to do that i think they'll be in good shape if it's just another mmo they're not simple as that simple as that so we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, Final Fantasy XIV seems to be doing well, and I even enjoyed Final Fantasy XIV. I enjoyed the, the 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 questing aspect of Final Fantasy XIV, which is very rare for me. I'm usually a PvP or go the fuck home. Like it's it, that's usually the way I feel. But I enjoyed that. So, um, but yeah, that is gonna end our podcast here. Uh, Nick, you have. A wow thoughts, not wow thoughts. Wow talk coming up on Sunday, or it's going to be out on Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, at this point, like for those who haven't listened to Wow Talk, why don't you tell them a little bit about it? Uh, it's me and uh, Ray and Jeremy and Matt, uh, who are all avid Wow players. Uh, they're all in the same guild. I'm not, but uh, we talk about some of the latest news in Wow, uh, what's going on. Um, we'd like to talk more about what's going to be happening with Warlords of Draenor, but Blizzard isn't really telling us, so. Um, it's mostly just a lot of uh, talking about what we do know is coming down the pipe and uh, what's going on in the game. So, it's uh, if you do play Warcraft, it's a good good listen. 
it's good, something good to listen to while you are playing or rating or doing what you do there. So, so uh, yeah, check us out. Yeah, we're it's gonna be on iTunes soon. We have a new theme for it or theme period, which yeah, actually it's, I, it's I, all I, alliance. I kind of <laughs> kind of begrudgingly like it. Mm-hmm. Like, so we're gonna, I'm actually gonna play that theme out on this Mashcast, and then if you want to hear it again, just listen to Wow Talk. Was this your eighth Wow Talk, right? Yeah, we're doing number eight. Yeah, so and, and uh, we should be picking up the pace a little bit. Again, as Blizzard releases more news, we'll have more to talk about, and there will be more reason for us to uh, record them more regularly. Okay. All right. So, yeah, that's going to wrap us up. Thank you for listening. You can catch us on SoundCloud, which is soundcloud.com slash smash those buttons. You can catch us on iTunes, like for reals this time. <laughs> iTunes is up and running. We are on Stitcher Smart Radio for your Android and iOS devices. We are on Twitter which is twitter.com slash mtb site. We're on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash smash those buttons, and YouTube, which is youtube.com slash smash those buttons. This isn't the only podcast we have. We have WoW Talk, which we just discussed. We have the second game club coming up next week. Uh, and we also have uh, That Game in Life, which we just released another one, a long one, last week. So, uh, yeah, if you want to listen to more good stuff from us, I think it's good. That's why I do it every week. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, just check out mashlessbuttons.com or check out SoundCloud. or That's where everything is on either site. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. We will catch you guys next time. Have a great weekend, everybody. Metal Gear, the Phantom Pain is going to be nothing compared to the real pain you're going to be feeling when Game Club <laughs> convenes. Oh, <laughs> Very yeah. goddamn real pain. This is going to be a good game, though, guys. I'll, we'll catch you later. <laughs>